0: This is People Every Day. Coming up, love and hip-hop executive producer Mona Scott-Young on the ups and downs of bringing music industry drama to the small screen.
1: I don't think people would believe half of the stuff that happens in this business.
0: Plus, Chrissy Teigen says she'll tweet no more. Jay Leno's big apology and Orlando Bloom's interesting morning routine. It's March 25th. What is up? This is People Every Day, presented by Macy's. I'm your host, Janine Rubenstein, and today is Thursday, y'all. The penultimate weekday. I like that word. Uh, you know, another word that I really like. It's occur. Not even sure that one's in the dictionary yet But if Cardi B has any say It should be Later in the show I catch up with a woman who knows Miss Cardi Very well The creator of the hit reality TV franchise Love and Hip Hop Mona Scott Young is on today To talk about her unique journey in Hollywood uh, Which will be shown on TV One's upcoming Uncensored doc About her life Super interesting So stay tuned for that But first up The news that's circulating out there Joining me is my girl TV editor Brienne Heldman, fresh off a mini vacation, right, Brienne, How you doing? I,
2: I mean, I don't even qualify my one day off as a vacation, especially because <laughs> I worked. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Did you get to unplug at all? Um think you want the answer to that okay oh man
0: (laughs) well okay speaking of unplugging let's let's jump into the surprising news about Chrissy Teigen signing off of Twitter for good it seems what do we know about that and why why she did that
2: first of all it's kind of shocking because Chrissy really really made a name for herself on Twitter Mm -hmm. over a decade ago she was an early adopter and became known as the clapback queen because she would respond to Followers, she would respond to the news, and she kind of always had a very edgy, sharp, smart take. She was one of my husband's favorite people on Twitter, actually, for many years, and he took much pride in the occasions when she would reply to him. Wait,
0: she replied to your husband?
2: Yes, but like many <laughs> years ago. Uh, but it really was a place where Chrissy started to be seen as more than a model. She really started to show how smart she is, how thoughtful she is. So it's surprising, but Twitter has evolved. And, and, you know, I can't say I'm shocked about it.
0: Yeah. She wrote in a statement, it was a goodbye statement. Hey, for over 10 years, you guys have been my world. I honestly owe so much to this world we have created here. I truly consider so many of you my actual friends. But it's time for me to say goodbye. This no longer serves me as positively as it serves me negatively. And I think that's the right time to call something. You know, she's gotten, you know, people saying things before and she's shot back and and came back to Twitter and been her usual self. But um what do we know about? just how bad it's gotten recently and why?
2: I mean, in general, I think social media has gotten more and more harsh and, and very quick to go negative. Yeah. And she said, you know, I, she said that she, she feels, quote, deeply bruised by the whole experience, that she is more sensitive than people realize and that she let people who maybe even only had two followers... Affect her.
0: That's serious. I mean, like uh, just when I'm thinking back, as you're talking, like her everything that she went through with um her her miscarriage and 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 the baby and and having to deal with people talking about how she was coping with that and she's horseback riding or, or you know doing other things and people having something to say even when she's going through something so terrible and then and then more recently, you know, she was promoting her her new company with Chris Jenner. It's a plant-based cleaning product. Company called Safely, and just if you scroll through or when you were able to, some of the comments people had stuff to say about that, and and weighing in. So it's just why why deal? So I, I kind of I kind of understand that, but for those who love her so much, uh, this is going to be a hard one, right? Like, uh, tell me what, what were some of the comments? What were some of her her clapbacks, her moments that oh, that man. you you call fondly? For me, it's always. John. John. (laughs) She just comes for him. But in the sweetest way on on Twitter and Instagram, she she does it, you know, across the board. I believe there was like one time that she said, like, you know, I always have a note in my pocket that says John did it uh, just in case I'm murdered because I don't want him to remarry.
2: (laughs) So funny. (laughs) Hashtag true love. I love, I love when she was like, I need brown bananas. And she just tweeted about needing brown bananas in the LA area. And of course she got them and gave the person some other stuff, including a signed cookbook, John's underwear and a makeup palette.
0: (laughs) Um, we're going to miss her. Okay. So so let's shift over to um, something not so funny. Uh, Jay Leno, uh, he just issued an apology. Um, he's 70 years old now. He, you know, was the host of the Tonight Show for years and years and years and years. And some of the jokes he made on that show are bubbling back up now in the wake of all of the anti Asian hate crimes. Um, he was known for making some really off color jokes, um, specifically. Specifically targeted at Asians and Asian Americans. Um, and he issued a full on apology, which is something we kind of don't see comedians do all that often. Right. Like this was just a legit saying, like, I was wrong.
2: And that is great. Uh, but mm-hmm. he did it after a lot of pressure to do so. Um, maybe not pressure that we were aware of, but The media action network for Asian Americans apparently has been calling him out since 2002. Wow. And then kind of reamplified them back in 2019 when Gabriel Union spoke out about the comments he made about Asian people on America's Got Talent. The other thing is this apology came only after the group told Fox TV executives that they were going to be contacting advertisers of Leno's upcoming show if he did not apologize.
0: Wow. Okay. So that context is so necessary.
2: Great that he apologized and that he outright admitted he was just flat out wrong. But it's not coming out of nowhere.
0: So what Jay had to say in his statement was, uh, he said, at the time I did those jokes, I genuinely thought them to be harmless. I was making fun of our enemy North Korea. And like most jokes, there was a ring of truth to them. And then he went on to say that whenever we received a complaint, there would be two sides to the discussion. Either we deal with this or screw them if they can't take a joke. Too many times, I sided with the latter, even when in my heart, I knew it was wrong.
2: And it is worth noting, though, that the M-A-N-A-A has accepted his apology. Um, So, time will tell.
0: Time will definitely tell. Okay. Shifting over now to Mr. Orlando Bloom (laughs) and his very specific morning routine, right? Uh, So, he was very candid and open about what he does to get himself together in the morning. And it is uh, everything from his green powder and, and collagen and brain octane oil that he puts together in a mixture and drinks to his um, hikes that he takes where he's listening to Stone Temple Pilots and Nirvana to earn, earn his breakfast. This is all happening before <laughs> he eats. What is your immediate reaction to this?
2: What is brain Something octane I oil? I need <laughs> I, I need to know about this. Um, where can I get it? How does the digestive system handle I know. it? <laughs> Especially when you're mixing it with oh green no, oh collagen. no, this has
0: gotten dark. No, <laughs> but but okay. So one, are you like me and you always click on those uh, pop-ups that say like the five things that super billionaire a list people do in the morning that make sure that they'll be successful? Like I always <laughs> click on <those. laughs>
2: I do not because I know that it's going to be <laughs> silliness like this. That I'm going to be like, this is so no, just no. I wake up when the alarm goes off, I hit snooze at least twice, and during all of that time I'm already fantasizing about my first cup of coffee. That is my morning routine. Yeah. That's no, realness. That- that's I don't a, know. Well, this no. is this Great is some LA realness, real. okay? This I feel like LA is probably like what
0: this is. What sure. we do?
2: no <laughs> this is even a lot for oh my LA. God. Do, do
0: you do you um do you listen to anything in particular when you're working out? Do Stone Temple Pilots or, or Nirvana?
2: I respect the Stone Temple okay, Pilots okay. and the Nirvana for working out. I tend to go for like like a little more cheesy, a little more per- current top forty stuff. Like I like Walk the Moon.
0: For me, okay, my go-to workout song, especially on the days that I really don't feel like working out, is Closer by Neo. Have you heard it? its I mean, if you listen to it, you can see why it'll keep you going. <laughs> yeah, I just like that he, you know, he owns it. He's honest. Um, but he was also super candid recently, I have to mention, about um, what he's not doing. That much in the morning uh-huh. <laughs> or at uh-huh. night. Um, he, he flat out said, of course, he's he with Katy Perry. None other than Katy Perry. They have a new baby and they are not as active in the bedroom in the wake of this new baby. And that's something he felt the need to speak about.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, I can picture how Katy P- Perry feels about that. And I would feel the same. I mean, come on, dude, get out of here. Like, I just had a baby. (laughs) There you go. There's a
0: hot take. (laughs) Well, okay, so the baby was born in August. Um, So it has been, the doctor usually tells you six weeks if, you know, and that's if it's normal natural birth everything's okay i don't know for c-section but you know give it some time um so we're well beyond that i guess but they have a brand new baby she's tired i know after i had Raimi, i was exhausted but also
2: why are you (laughs) telling the world like i don't need to know about it
0: well you know what i actually think it's payback because remember that time that she had to rank her lovers (laughs) and she ranked him just under john mayer what
2: (laughs) well fair and I feel like Orlando was smart when Katie came home and was like what the heck dude I hope he was like yeah you know turnabout's fair play
0: I think they're perfectly happy and things will um, pick up soon so so
2: (laughs) (laughs) and I hope we don't hear about it I hope
0: we don't hear about it I hope we don't hear about it thank you so much Next up, Love & Hip Hop creator and producer Mona Scott Young is a boss who knows all of everybody's secrets. Stick around to hear her story. of a little show and franchise called Love and Hip Hop. You know, the one that helped give rise to that one hit rapper, Cardi B. Well, today joining me is the woman behind it all, TV producer, entrepreneur, and CEO of Mona Me Productions, Mona Scott Young. And she is with me today to discuss the new episode of TV One's Uncensored that's all about her journey as a Hollywood power player, the good, the bad, and the very lucrative. Hi, Mona. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm very good. So so tell me a little bit about Uncensored. It sounds kind of scary. I've seen the show and it digs deep.
1: <laughs> it was an actually cathartic experience, just being able to talk about, you know, my life, my experiences. So definitely grateful for the opportunity to tell my
0: story. So let's dig into that story a little bit. Uh, tell me how Mona Scott-Young Gets to the level that she is today, of course, a huge franchise, love and hip hop, uh one that has given rise to so many stars. I, I named Cardi B, but so many others as well and just become a, a cultural touch point in its own right. Like, like where 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 was that birthed?
1: Um, I think initially from the experiences that i would had, you know, many, many years as a music manager in hip hop and seeing the world, seeing, you know, the people who navigated the world and having the opportunity to bring those stories to the big screen and to hold the curtain back on the world.
0: What, what was one of those moments where you were like, oh, that's crazy. That should be on TV. <laughs> I
1: mean, listen, uh, one of my uh, mantras is, you know, I take it to the grave. But there were some pretty wild happenings, you know, with some of the rappers that I represented and, and the lives that they were leading behind the scenes with, you know, both the women that were their significant others and just the other experiences that they had being on the road. You know, the studio was a hotbed for mission. So seeing some of that stuff and realizing that, wow, I don't think people would believe half of the stuff that happens in this.
0: (laughs) That is true. Oh, my goodness. The studio behind the scenes, all of that. And you brought it to life on screen. What was that journey business wise? Well, you know, at the time, there weren't Many uh, shows about the hip hop
1: space, you know, even though the music was global and everyone was, you know, fascinated by the world, you didn't have many stories being told set in that world. And it's always about finding a world that people want to know more about and are fascinated by. And um, again, there were so many big personalities in the world that really giving them an opportunity to tell their stories to find a way to build on their brands and what it is they wanted to do beyond music, it was, you know, an incredible opportunity for us to put the spotlight on the hip-hop culture.
0: Give me, just for a a few um, people, for the people who didn't watch Cardi B's season, (laughs) why why, why don't you tell me, actually take me back to the beginning. What was it like casting her? What did you see in, in Cardi that you said, oh, this, This is good.
1: Well, you know what it is? She was funny, naturally funny. And there's Mm -hmm. an entertainment value that comes with like being on television. Yeah, it's about the highs and the lows, but it's also about, you know, entertaining the folks who are tuning in. And she had such a great sense of humor. And she certainly had this quirky personality that lent itself to, you know, someone who you'd want to tune in and see and. There's something about, you know, certain people when you meet them that, you know, this person's special. They've got that. Uh, that intangible quality that you can't put your finger on, but you know that they're going to be fascinating to watch. Um, I always say her cardiisms, all those you know sayings that she had, and the way she phrased things. Everyone was fascinated, you know, by her personality.
0: And now we, we have the juggernaut superstar that is uh, Cardi B. You saw that. You saw that Grammy performance.
1: Listen, it was <laughs> incredible. I always say that. I'm fascinated, right? Because Cardi has so much going on at all times. But when she gets on that stage and those lights come up, Mm -hmm. she manages to nail it every single time. (laughs) I think that's the sign
0: of a true star. For sure. For sure. And so let's let's, let's talk about you as well, because you've been nailing it for some years now. Um, But just as a, a, black woman navigating the space of, of Hollywood and, and being a businesswoman, um, you know, a power player, uh, how has that journey been for you? And do you, would you say it, it came naturally or something that you had to grow into? It's interesting because I started
1: my career as a music manager, and that was something that I didn't have any formal experience in. It was really just about my ability to put the pieces of a puzzle together and figure out how to um, deliver on things. And uh, that was really the skill set that I brought with me into producing. And, you know, being a female in a mainly male-dominated industry, because it's the same thing in television, especially owning a company. I'm one of the a few, I think, wholly owned, black, female owned um, physical production companies, it isn't easy, right? Because there's um, this sense that you get relegated to certain genres of programming, or that you may not be able to have the capacity to handle bigger shows in an essence. And um, it's something that every single day we roll up our sleeves and drill down on to make sure that... We're competitive Mm -hmm. and we, you know, are churning out product that's on the same level of some of the larger companies.
0: Yeah, and and you've you've you're doing so much across the space now, and and have really expanded. Um, but I, I want to know about that that um, that tug of war that happened. You know, as love and hip hop got so big, and so many people were watching, and you had this push pull. I think in terms of critiquing, should we be showing this? Should we be showing you know black men and women fighting or arguing or you know the 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 failed relationships and you know kind of critique that you didn't hear as much for you know some of the broad Broadway shows and the Real Housewives shows. But, you know, a lot of it got leveled on love and hip hop. How did you navigate that space of saying, you know, this is this is the work that I'm putting out there? uh, But also, uh, you know, I, I, I hear what you're saying about representation.
1: Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, the thing I have to remember at all times is that we're telling stories of people in a specific space. Right. That's what it is. That's what television is about. Finding a world, finding people in that world, finding experiences that, you know, viewers are not familiar with, may want to see more of and showcasing those lives. And so, again, Love and Hip Hop was set in a very specific space. And it was never designed to be, you know, the only representation of Black people on television. Yeah. It became hugely successful, I think, because people wanted to know more about those the world of hip-hop, the world of music, the world of celebrity and fame and the ups and downs of those relationships. And a lot of those were relationships that, you know... I had witnessed in my many, many years as a music manager. So we were telling the specific stories of these people navigating this very specific world. Um, And I think the success of the show proved that there was an audience for this and a curiosity about this and, you know, a desire to see those lives. And I always, um, I always commend the cast members for Being open, being honest, living their lives, putting it all out there, right, for the audience to view, because I know that it's not easy and it comes with so much judgment. I, you know, suffered my fair share of people being judgmental about the show and about the kinds of stories that we were telling. But I felt it was important that we had an opportunity to tell all of our stories.
0: Got it. Got it. And then uh, the question that I know bubbled up for years, how much reality is in this reality TV? How, how much do you feel, even if it's not by your own design, that, you know, some of the stars have elevated their personalities or their situations or their, you know, mm-hmm. just, just for viewers?
1: Well, you know, I think there's... Um, A heightened sense that comes with having cameras on you and knowing that the world is watching and the world is judging, but all of the stories are always rooted in, you know, something that is really happening for that talent, right? Good or bad. They share those experiences. And do we create a construct around it so that it... Um, becomes television worthy in terms of the backdrops, in terms of mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. some of the elements around those stories. Sure, that's the soap opera element yeah. of what we do with <laughs> love and hip hop. But you know, I always say, without any you know hesitation, that the things that those elements are built around are rooted in truth for the town. And they don't always love the way it turns out. They don't always love the end result of it. But it certainly is not something that we're making up out of the blue. Nobody's coming out and saying, you're in love with this person. You're going to get married to this person. <laughs> this person is going to cheat on you. You know, and, and they're not actors. This isn't a scripted show.
0: That was Mona Scott Young. For more on her, head over to People.com and check out her TV One documentary, Uncensored, on Sunday, March 28th. Now, something to make you smile. Everything is virtual nowadays. Meetings, yoga class, and even field trips. After Garrett Talcott, a kindergarten teacher in Seattle, began teaching his class about habitats, he got a little innovative with his approach. He called the Woodland Park Zoo to see if their Wi-Fi could sustain him having a solo visit where he could capture the entire live experience on his laptop and bring his class along with him in the moment. He got the green light, well... Literally, I guess. You know, that little one that's at the top of your screen when the camera's on? And he took his class of 27 with him on his live, their virtual trip through the zoo. Just listen.
2: What do we have now, class? A rhino! A rhino, that's right!
0: We've all had to adapt to a new normal. And Mr. Talcott, you are doing a fascinating job. Cheers to you and talk to you all on Friday.